Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. I am so happy to have you joining me here for another great week on the show. Wellness and Wanderlust is a podcast all about embracing new experiences and taking ownership of our wellness. And I love getting to bring such fun topics to light in each episode. We're exploring a little more Wanderlust this week as we chat with Marsha Simon, a travel advisor and owner of Friendly Group Travel, all about how we can discover the roads less traveled. Marsha and her son took a road trip more than 8,000 miles across the U.S. this summer, exploring 14 national parks without any pre-booked hotels or itinerary. So in our conversation, we talk about some of the highlights of their trip, along with how we can embrace more spontaneity in our own travels, tips for multi-generational travel, traveling safety during the pandemic, and much, much more. You're going to want to plan your own road trip after listening to this episode. So without further ado, let's hear from Marsha Simon. Hi, Marsha. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust. Hi, Valerie. This is an awesome experience so far, and I just got to meet you too, but I love the name of your podcast. Well, thank you so much. And with you being in the travel industry, I think Wellness and Wanderlust is such a perfect fit to have you on. So before we really dive in, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you? Well, I'm a travel advisor. So it used to be called travel agent, but now there's a move to call yourself an advisor instead of an agent. Because sometimes people say, what's the difference? There's no difference. There's the American Society of Travel Advisors, which used to be American Society of Travel Agents, and they changed their name. So that's all. But I started this about four years ago about a year before COVID became a thing. So that was very interesting. <laughs> I got into travel as a business in a, a sort of roundabout way. So to make a long story short, my background is really broadcast journalism. So I worked in radio for a long time, and then I worked for a little bit um, as a TV reporter. And I left to go freelance. So then I did like video script writing and production. And a lot of that was promotional video, and that opened kind of an unplanned door to overall promotion, so public relations, media relations, publicity. So I've been doing that for over a decade. And then my son graduated high school. He flew off and launched, and I realized, you know, I'm no longer bound to an academic calendar. And since I was working, and most of what I was doing was um, remote anyway, I was writing and sending emails and doing digital communication. I'm like, hey, I can work from anywhere. And I don't have any excuse anymore about why I can't go places. And since I've always loved to travel, um, I said, this is a perfect time to make travel more of a lifestyle and less of a vacation. Because I, you know, people think that, um, oh, they're going to get their one vacation. Maybe if they're lucky, they get two vacations a year. But I wanted to go like all the time. So (laughs) (laughs) I know. So I thought back to my journalism roots and I said, I really want to be a travel writer. But then I remembered that like that's what everybody wants to do is be a travel (laughs) writer. So I'm like, well, how can I like, you know, jump up the ladder since I've never been that before? And so I said, you know, I'm going to become a travel advisor. That'll give me some credibility as a writer. And that's what I thought I was going to do. But the more I I started working on getting my accreditation to be a travel advisor, and the more I got into it, and the more I was, you know, getting tapped into the destinations, I realized 
I really like this, you know, <laughs> and I already had the business end um, set up. I had the office. I had all the discipline necessary to be self-employed, and I had a lot of experience in PR promotion. So I started a travel agency, and I was just like, you know, and I would do stuff for friends. I did stuff for friends and clients all the time anyway, um, and then COVID came, and yeah, and that was another chapter. <laughs> uh, I'm, we could probably fill a whole episode on that. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's really an incredible journey. And I think I really do think, you know, coming from a communications background myself, I think that communications really prepares you for so many different avenues. And I think that's a really incredible journey. I'd love to know as you became a travel advisor, what all do you do in this role? I think a lot of people don't really understand what a travel advisor or a travel agent might do and kind of what the benefits are and kind of what that is like. In this past year, I've talked to a lot of people who've never used a travel advisor before. You know, everybody was doing their own stuff online, but now it's like, oh, I have so many questions and I'm afraid of messing it up. And if I do this online, I can't, and, and the flight gets canceled. It's really hard because I didn't, you know, I booked it online. And, you know, so people want that support right now more than ever before. And I approach this whole industry probably different than most travel advisors because I'm not looking for the same thing out of it myself. You know, travel advisors usually, you know, it's a job based on commission. The more you sell, the more you make. I'm not really concerned with that because I still have my PR business. I was thinking, you know, eventually that would go down and the travel would would go up and it would just be a natural evolution because that's the way my life has been. But so if somebody wants a bucket list trip, for instance, great, I'll do that. But I like to think that people like me like to travel more often and they don't want their vacations to be stupid expensive. People are looking for authenticity more than unnecessary expense. And I'd rather have people come back every, you know, because, and then they tell their friends, it's not like, Oh, that was a great trip, but geez, it was expensive. You know, that's not, that's not what I'm into. It was like, Oh my God, we saw the best places. I never would have found that before. I think because I'm a journalist first, I love to do research. Mm -hmm. So I'm always planning my own next trip, places I want to go. And then I can just tell people like, I just found this awesome place and people want to go there. And if I really like it, I'll make it into a group. And then I blog about the places. So I'm more about the communication part. Like you said, how important that is. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the customer service that people are looking for now that they're not getting from online travel bookers. And I just think it's time for people to, you know, have someone to lean on coming out of COVID especially. Oh, 100%. I think that some of the changes in the policies with the airlines and the hotels and all of that, I think that can be difficult to navigate. It's really confusing. You know, it's like yeah. people think people think they're getting a refund, they're getting a waiver. So they have a voucher. They don't remember when it expires. <laughs> um, you know, if you book an Airbnb, I mean, I, I'm not saying or it could be anything or a small mom and pop, because I think that there's a, a place for every kind of travel. But some things that are owned by smaller entities or individuals, it's harder to get a refund sometimes. But if you work with some of the larger hotels, I mean, a, a travel advisor will know like what's a safe place to go to and, and what's their refund policy and, you know, what do you do if, if things don't go as planned, things like that. I think this last year and a half, almost two years, that's certainly been something I think of concern to everyone when you're planning a trip. And my mom and I take a trip together every year in the last, you know, <laughs> we, we took, 
took kind of a back seat in the last, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're planning to hopefully early in 2022 after my sister's wedding, be able to take a trip together. But I think those cancellations and some of that headache, that's something that certainly came to mind for us. And it's it's been a scary time with all that uncertainty. Now for you, kind of going into this industry and having that love for travel, but not necessarily the background, and then you kind of got into it, what did you learn from the experience? What what travel tips did you kind of take away from that that you would share with listeners? Well, listen to your gut, because this is one reason what, One reason I got into travel is because there was a, a trip I wanted to take to New Zealand. That was expensive just because, you know, we were going to be there for a while. It's a trip. You might stay longer. The airfares are expensive. There's a lot. And I said, oh, you know, this was this was like years ago. But I'm like, I think I should get help with this one. And and I, you know, I had been to New Zealand once before. This was actually my second trip to New Zealand. And I I just didn't listen to my gut. And I listened to other people telling me what they thought I should do. And I'm like, you know, I should have done this myself. <laughs> and, and I'm not telling other people to do it themselves. I think it's because I researched it. You know, I did my own research. And that's what I'm good at is researching for other people. And I realized that this is great. So what have I learned? I've learned to, that research does make a difference. But a lot of people don't have the time to do that kind of research. And don't be afraid. I mean, I think that part of it, you have to challenge yourself a little bit. There are so many people that want to do something, but it's like, eh, I'm, I'm not so sure. It's kind of putting myself out there a little bit. But that's what makes it great after you've done it and you've accomplished it. An example might be going on a, you know, you want to go for a hike and you think that it's above your level or something like that. Like zip lining was an example for me the first time, you know, when I went to Costa Rica and I'm kind of afraid of heights. <laughs> and yes. I went with my son that he was younger than I think he was 12 and he zipped right across. And I, I'm glad I did it. I'm really, I felt accomplished when I did it. It was scary to me, but I did it. And just to try new things. I, I don't know if I answered your question. But that's what I think travel's about. I I could not agree more. And I think that definitely answers my question. But I'd love to know as well, you, you mentioned that, you know, don't be afraid getting out of your comfort zone. You just did something that was, I think, <laughs> out of your own comfort zone. Um, and you took a road trip that was completely spontaneous with your son during these wild times. Why don't we start out? You tell us a little bit about what inspired it and kind of what that trip was like. Okay. So actually the trip was a graduation trip for my son and we graduated college. And we've been doing trips as a family every year. And he's pretty well traveled for his age too. But he said, you know, we're, we've gone to Europe because I have family in Europe. So we go see, to see family a lot. He said, you know, I really haven't seen much of the United States. He's seen both coasts, but he's never been through it. I've driven across the coast. Now, well, I drove across three times previously. Now, if you count there and back, it's five times, and I don't think I'll do it again. <laughs> I think now I'll fly. It's, I think everyone should do it, but I feel like I've done it. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't spontaneous that we went because we knew we were going, and we allocated a month, 30 days to do it. And we knew that we were starting from home, which is the East Coast. We're in Connecticut. And I've been to the Redwoods, uh, but he hadn't. And I said, "You've once in a lifetime, you've got to go to the Redwoods. So he had it in my mind, in his mind, that we were going to go there together. So our mission was we're going to drive to the Redwoods. But obviously, we're going to have a lot of detours going there and coming back. So as a travel advisor, I would 
never recommend that a client do this because most people don't like to travel this way. Um, <laughs> um, you know, they, they want to know that at the end of the day, they'll have a hotel because this was the summer, you know, where everybody was doing road trips to the national parks. We had wildfires, mm-hmm. we had flash floods, um, <laughs> you know, it was, yeah. it, we had heat waves, you know, it was, and there's COVID there. Like, people are like, why are you doing this? And I'm like, we said we were going to do it. We're going to do it. Don't worry. We'll be safe. Both double vaccinated, no problem wearing masks, sanitizing all the time. So we packed up the car and we just went west. And we said, well, we don't know where we're going to wind up tonight, but we'll just take it one day at a time, knowing that there were wildfires too. So we didn't want to drive into a wildfire area. And also figuring with COVID, Okay, so if we do hit a place where there's a hot spot or we don't feel comfortable there, we don't have to stay. So if you if you book everything in advance, you know, you're locked, you know, you could that's the thing. Are you going to get a refund on your hotel or are you going to lose it? Mm-hmm. So we were able to just find different places. We we had maps and atlas, you know, all kinds of research stuff. And some, and we would just, you know, maybe the night before we'd say, okay, well, where should we, we had this big map of the U.S. We mapped where we went that day. We said, well, where should we go in the morning? And we just kind of looked and found some things that were interesting. And that's where we went. It was awesome. (laughs) I loved it. (laughs) I think everyone should do it, but I know a lot of people would be miserable doing it because well, okay, so places were crowded. A lot of the places that were moderately priced for hotels were full. So you could either um, stay in a really creepy place, or you could stay in a really expensive place, or you could get out of the hub and go somewhere else. And we only, except for a couple of places where I wanted to splurge, one of them being Santa Fe, New Mexico, we splurged. And then like when we went to the national parks, it was really hard to find a place in the park or right outside of the park. But we would also to avoid the crowds, we would stay about an hour before we got to the park. And we'd get up at 4.30 in the morning and we'd drive to the park and we'd get there as the sun was coming up and the light was amazing and it was beautiful and there was nobody there. And like we went, we got to Yellowstone and we were the only car inside the park, you know, and then a couple people came and then you get to see the bison doing their morning routines. And we did the same thing at Zion in Utah National Park. So if you're willing to live out of the box a little bit and give up some of the, you know, more popular times, then it's great. I think that is such a cool trip. And even just, you know, I am very itinerary driven and I Uh don't know how well I would do, but I admire it. And I think that is just so amazing and figuring out what you're going to do. I mean, everyone's got the routine in life. I mean, Mm -hmm. when when I'm working, I'm so regimented and self-disciplined. And I plan itineraries for other people. I I just needed a vacation Mm -hmm. from that. Oh, for sure. You know, and my son had been like, you know, he was, you know, working on, you know, a lot of academic stuff and a master's thesis and he was burned. And we just said, you know what, it doesn't matter when we get there. It doesn't matter where we go. It doesn't, you know, we had a couple of guitars and a mandolin in the car. We had a cooler. We had wine. He had beer. It was great. We, We had a really good time. But we have a we have a very good family relationship, too. 
That's fantastic. And what a what an amazing opportunity to to get to experience this together and something so unique. You definitely you traveled throughout pretty much an entire month, but any highlights of the trip that you'd like to share and places where you feel are an absolute must visit? Oh boy. Well, we didn't hit them all. <laughs> you know, you just can't go everywhere. So you, you reach a point, you say, well, that'll have to be another trip. But well, the Redwoods, to me, that's one of the most humbling places on earth. And, you know, there are some small Redwoods, the John Muir Redwoods, just north of San Francisco. But if you go up into Humboldt County, um, we came in, actually, we, we went to Portland, Oregon, and then we drove the coast in southern Oregon, which is beautiful. And we came into Crescent City, which is where the, the top entrance of the Redwood National Park is and some, and some other state parks are all together there. And it's gorgeous. And, you know, these trees are 2,000 years old. You know, you get the pictures of driving your car through the tree, and it's really hard to imagine. But they had, you know, if you take the time to like look at some of the displays, they go back to the time of like the Ming Dynasty in China, and they just show like all the history that went by. And these trees were just doing their thing, just growing and getting bigger. And I think everybody should do that. It really puts life in perspective in my opinion. <laughs> and I just love the cultures of Native America. Oh, the other thing, I, I we did go to Mount Rushmore, but we also went to Crazy Horse Monument, or cra- it's not a monument, it's a memorial. And that, to me, was is a tribute. See, I, before I left politically correctly, I would say Native American. And when we got out there, it's like, we prefer to say American Indian. And so, so now I'm back to Indian. So I don't mean to offend anybody, but that's when I'm told that people like to be called or they like to be called people. But to just learn more about that culture, I thought it was fascinating, you know, and you find that in New Mexico and Arizona. And I love the drums and the petroglyphs and the cave dwellings. And this country has changed so much. You think about it, it's hundreds of years. I mean, it, can, it goes back thousands of years when you look, when some of these rock formations and volcanic action created these habitats, but the people living here, so much has changed. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. I've always been interested in visiting the national parks and being on the East Coast and being especially in the Southeast. There obviously is a lot of history, but there isn't at the same time with the relatively new architecture and everything been stripped down in the Everglades and all of that, which is very sad. But to get out West and get to experience all of this and learn about the cultures and thinking about how much this, you know, this country has changed and how much we as people have changed. What an incredible experience. I agree. Yeah. And thinking about how life was then, it was simple, but yet it was very, very difficult just because, you know, they also were dealing with the elements and wildlife and looking for food. And then now we've got climate change, you know, and we're, and we're dodging wildfire. I mean, we didn't see wildfires, but it was amazing because you could see the haze states away. Mm-hmm. You know, like you'd go into a coffee shop and you, they say, oh, you, normally there are mountains back there, but you can hardly see them now. It was impacting so many people. And and then you'd go to a family restaurant or something and people, um, you know, like the servers are just putting piles of napkins and straws and everything on your table. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody knows that during COVID, everything's going to get thrown away. 
Mm-hmm. Because nobody's going to use all that. I mean, I just saw such incredible waste. And we, we sometimes, you know, we had a cooler filled, I drink a lot of seltzer. So we, uh, well, we were trying to hydrate. It was, we were having a heat wave too. So um, that's another reason for going early in the morning because we wanted to hike and nobody wants to hike when it's a hundred degrees. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was really nice. We got there early and beat the crowds and beat the heat. But, you know, we were looking for places to recycle our, our cans and bottles and, and many times we couldn't find some place, and, and it's like, well, you hate to throw it away, mm-hmm. and it's it just seemed like, wow, where's the awareness? Yeah, I spoke about this with someone recently too. That even just in my neighborhood alone, living in an apartment complex, how difficult it is to find recycling, and you do need to go out of your way to do it, which I'm happy to do. But so many people, if it's not convenient for them, it's going to go to the landfill or to the oceans or. Mm-hmm. And I do think that it's very humbling when you get out into nature and you see how beautiful and everything that's out there and then realizing, you know, with the climate report that came out not too long ago, how much we as humans are impacting our planet. And I I do think during COVID, in a lot of ways, there was there was that waste because you're right, you don't want to, I I don't want to touch a napkin that was on somebody else's table at this time. But, but you also wonder, do I really need 100 napkins at my table right Mm -hmm. now? I know. It's interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I don't know what we're going to do about, you know, you would think that with, with the heat waves that people would make some correlation, you know, you've got the heat, you've got the drought, you've got the fire. And then when it does rain, and I say this because I experienced, and I was hearing the news in all these different states, you know, go to a national park and there are signs about flash flooding. And it's because the earth couldn't, was so dry, it couldn't hold the water. So there's this one place in Zion National Park. It's a it's a hiking trail called the Narrows. And it basically, you know, they've got these big rock ledges and this is a little river and it the crevice there gets narrower and narrower and people walk in there and they say, normally you might be up to your ankles or possibly up to your knees in water. And people like that. But because there was a flash flood the day before and the water levels were crazy that they said people would be swimming in it. Wow. They said people wouldn't be able to touch the bottom, but the park rangers were say, were advising people not to go. They didn't tell people they couldn't go, but they said, look, the combination of the heat and the flooding, you know, there are algae blooms in there. And if you have a cut or a sore or it gets in your mouth, it can do some permanent damage. You could really, wow. um, it's not, it's really not safe to go. <laughs> But people didn't care, and they went anyway. I I went onto my um, up to my ankles, and it was beautiful. And I took mm-hmm. pictures, and that was fine. Well, I really do. I mean, it's it's a shame to see the effects that we're having. But what a beautiful trip, and just so impactful to get to see all of that, and over kind of an extended period of time. Talk to me about traveling with your son and what that was like. <laughs> Honestly, I was surprised that he still wanted to go with his mom. I I should say that I raised him as a single mom and his his dad passed away when he was young. So we're used to spending time together and because he's an only child, we have this pretty good bond. And he wanted to go. He was away at school. We hadn't seen each other and and because of COVID, you know, back and forth more than like twice in a two year period. So we were both ready to just break out and do some driving. And it was nice. It was nice to, to share that. And, you know, you said you've traveled with your mom. Mm -hmm. So you know how, you know how it is. It's, it's memorable, right? And I was really glad that I was the one who got to take him to the Grand Canyon for the first time. 
or experience the redwoods together, you know, or some of the national parks. And it was very nice. Yeah, there really is something so special about traveling with your family and my mother-daughter trips. Those are some of my favorite memories. And um, right. no offense to my dad, I would love to travel with him too. <laughs> but 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 getting those experiences, especially because the rest of my family does live pretty close to one another. I'm a few hours away. I'm not terribly far. But getting that time together to experience something brand new together, I think, is so impactful. Yeah. I mean, I traveled with my mom frequently. Well, you know, I don't know how frequent it is. Once a year, maybe, you know, that, that was kind of to do a special trip. I mean, of course, I saw her more than that. But mm-hmm. I remember those trips. My mom's gone now, but I'm so glad we did them. Sometimes we would get Christmas ornaments for the tree in different places. And every time I hang up the ornaments, I, I think of those places and those memories. It's really, really very special. And I remember traveling with my mom and my son when he was a toddler. And that was really special, too. And he remembers it also, you know, being with Grammy and going to California. And I think that he likes to remember her like that. So I think that as kids do get up and spread their wings and launch into their own lives, that as long as the parents keep coming up with good vacations, the kids are going (laughs) to keep coming back to go on them. And I've talked to other, I mean, those are some of my clients too. It's like, oh, I want to do something and my, you know, my kids have a college break or my daughter just graduated or, you know, I, I, I haven't seen them. I want to see them. Where can we go? You know, but that's again, what travel's about. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> so many things you can do, right? Yeah. Yeah. You never run out of places that you want to go and things you want to see. And I, I think that's so special that your son has these memories. You have these memories. You're always going to have these memories. And the experiences are just something you can't take away. I'd love to know for for listeners who maybe haven't done a trip like this before, do you have tips for multi-generational travel or you know, kind of creating something that's meaningful for both. Yeah, well, I, and when when right before you said that, I was thinking, you know, if you think back about some of the gifts that people have given you, it's like, if it's a thing, I don't remember all the things that I get, mm-hmm. but I definitely remember the experiences. And um, multi-gen travel, I mean, uh, it depends, like, are you, I don't know if you're talking about, like, young children and and their parents or adult children and their parents or a little of everything i was in again during the <laughs> pandemic i went to i went to mexico and everyone goes like why are you going there now yeah. i'm like i'm like i have to check it out but i, I you know i would then i would double vax i said i'm i'm going to be really safe I'll, I'll be safe and and at that point things were really at like 20% occupancy and thing mm-hmm. uh, it's really up to yourself to keep yourself safe also but i saw like three generation families, a lot at the all inclusives on the beach. And it was so nice to just sit there in your own space, you're not with a whole crowd of people, and just watch like a, a grandpa holding a two year old's hand, you know, like going to the beach with the bucket and the shovel. And, and you could, I don't know who was happier, the grandpa or the kid. <laughs> but they oh, were, yeah. Because you could tell it was like they don't spend a lot of time together. So I I think that is really nice. But tips, I think you have to, like anything in life, you have to compromise. And I think as women, we try, we wind up being the planners and we figure everything out. And not everybody wants to do what you want to do all the time. So I think alternating uh, a little bit. So like one day you get to choose. 
um, whether it's which restaurant you go to for dinner and someday then the other person gets to choose. And then if you don't like the choice, then you just go with it anyway. You know, you're not always going to have your way. And and again, it depends on the age of the different generations, but you don't have to spend all your time together. Because uh, again, if you have young children, so many places have kids clubs now and things like that. And I I had guilt putting, you know, having my kid there, but he liked it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and then when you get together at the end of the day, you have things to talk about. Yeah. You know, and the same thing when when you have kids, you know, when you have adult children or teenagers, people are old enough to do their own thing. It's like, okay, well you want to do that, I don't, so you go have a good time and I'll meet you at 5:30 and if your kid's old enough to have a cocktail, you have a cocktail because in other countries at 18 years old you can and that's yeah. really kind of, it's really different like when when you realize wow I can just sit here and have a beer with my child how yeah. how fun is that well maybe fun to some more than others but yeah. you know it, it's like all these different um, milestones in life you know and you get to experience you know with your family everybody living their own life but also coming together so I I think oh I think just Compromise. I think that's a big part of it. Not compromising where you're going to go, but like, don't try to micromanage everyone's activities through the day. Mm-hmm. You know, and it comes back to that communication. Talk about it. If you, if you feel like it's a little bit tense because that ha- just talk it out. And it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, I'm trying to please you. I'm trying to do everything you want. It's like, well, I don't want you to do that. <laughs> you know, just you, know, you be you. Let me be me. And then at pick a time, and then we'll be us. <laughs> something like that. I don't know. It really depends, you know, what the ages are. For sure. And I do think I, I didn't even think about that time apart. But I mean, some of my favorite memories as a kid, when we would go on a family cruise and hanging out in the teen club or in the kids club, right. and the friends I made there and the activities we did. And we still spent time together. as a, We spent a ton of time together as a family, but we also had some time apart in those cases. And so I do think, you know, especially for younger kids, then my parents could then enjoy each other and you know, have a little bit of time away from their 11 and nine year old. Right, right. And I mean, kids make friends real easily. So if they want to play, you know, if they want to have a game of pool volleyball or something and and hang out with other kids, you know, you kind of talk to the other parents so you know who they are. And and at the all-inclusives, there's so much supervision for, for what kids can do based on what age they are, whether they're toddlers or tweens or teens. And it's good. Then everybody's in a good mood at the end of the day. And then you could do a day trip or an excursion where you all go somewhere together. I love that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's a way to have some of that compromise too. So then you can still do some of the things. If maybe there are things that you want to do that somebody else doesn't, you can take a little bit of that time apart and kind of circling back to that spontaneity, because I think that is something so huge on this trip that you took that mm-hmm. I think for a lot of people may be a little bit scary, but something that also seems like it would be really impactful and a really cool experience. Do you have tips for embracing that spontaneity or small steps we could take if maybe we're not ready to completely jump out of our comfort zone, but we'd like to be a little bit more, more spontaneous on a trip? So I think there, there are a couple of different kinds of trips. One is you go somewhere for a week and you stay in the same place the whole time and then you figure out what you do every day. Or there's the kind of trip where you you fly into one place or you know or you drive to one place and you come back from another. 
and then you don't know what you're doing in between. So very different. I've done both. Research, ask questions. If you're staying in a hotel, talk to the people at the desk, find out, you know, where they like to go. Um, The more people you ask, you know, who are from that area, you'll get lots of ideas. And even during the day, you know, there's, there's always a visitor information center. And they always have trips. You could join a group or you can get a map, you can take a bus. You know, some people feel comfortable taking mass transit and buses and things like that. Other people don't. I walk and I like to hike a lot. So I'll go to an area and I'll go, I've got apps on my phone and figure out where the hiking trails are and things like that. But then I'll ask people like, is this a good trail? Is this too hard? You know, and then they'll say, oh, you know where you should go. It's even better than that, you know? (laughs) And then you get the whole, you know, just talk to the locals. Of course, during COVID, you don't really want to do that too much, but you can put on your mask and talk to someone at the desk at the hotel because they're going to be masked anyway. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I like to do is, I mean, you could fly into one city and fly back from another and you just know that between Friday and the next Friday, you're going to get from here to there. And, you know, how you do that is up to you. You could get like, a, I'm thinking Europe because I like to go to Europe. It could be a Ural pass and, you know, just spontaneously take a train if you don't like it take another one (laughs) I have to say even doing that I would try to find a place before it got dark and travel isn't what spontaneous travel is not as easy as it used to be because you can arrive someplace and it's hard to find something so if you're with somebody else who feels comfortable um, navigating GPS on their phone and is good at searching for places. Like when I was with my son on this trip, you know, around three o'clock in the afternoon, we'd say, okay, let's figure out where we're going to stop. And then I would be driving or he would be driving and the other one would be, oh, I think I found a place. Let me call it and see. And we would actually call the place instead of try to book it online because online it would say it's sold out. But if you call it, they say, yeah, we've got a room. A lot of times hotels will always have a room that they don't tell you about. And I was going to ask about that too, just because I know that with the spontaneity, you you do worry. And I think especially as women, there's the mm-hmm. concern of safety. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a great tip to be figuring this out while it's still light out and kind of making those plans during the times when maybe it does feel a little bit safer. Right. Yes. You don't want to be, you know, wandering around at night saying, where am I going now if you're Mm -hmm. alone in a strange place? Definitely. I would not recommend that. And sometimes, you know, you you figure out, you know, when you're in and you settle in. The other thing, see, we started really early in the morning and we, I don't want to spend the time driving, but you want to enjoy where you are. Mm -hmm. I, I always like, I'm like that. I'm a morning person anyway. I want to get the day going and then I want to mid-afternoon, be wherever I'm going to be, relax, explore, enjoy. And then you have, you know, almost a whole half day if it's summer or light. Yeah. And if you look at a map or you know where you want to go the next day, then you can book it the night before. So then you get up the next day and you say, okay, well, we want to go there. It's 200 miles away. So let's see, there's really nothing to do between here and there. So we don't have to start so early. Let's have a leisurely breakfast, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. Or Um, well, we want to get there, but we really want to spend time at this place and it's all outdoors and we still want to be done with that because we're staying near there, but we don't want to get there when it's dark. So then you start early. It's not so hard. 
No, I think I think that's really great advice. And, you know, to be thinking about it in those terms a little bit more. And I think especially with the daylight, but remembering that sometimes these, you know, some stretches of the drive, there really is not going to be anything to see. You could kind of structure it a little bit more that way. And like get gas. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, because just driving the whole time. I mean, that's really not so that gets old. Yeah. Yeah. You want to enjoy the place that you're actually going to see. Sometimes the drive can be really exciting, but there's only beautiful. Exactly. But then even if it is beautiful, if you're the one driving, you can kind of look, but you can't really stop and experience it unless, you know, unless you're going somewhere that is even more beautiful and is kind of an extension of what you're driving through. So I do think, you know, making sure you have that time to kind of stay put, whether it's that half day, yeah, just to experience the place. Yeah. And, you know, there are some people who would absolutely hate figuring out all these details every day. They just say, look, I just want to know where I'm going. Just just tell me where I'm going. Take me there. Get me there. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to make the plans. I just want to be on vacation. That's mm-hmm. fine. Because I don't want to do this kind of trip all the time either, you know, <laughs> but I wanted to do it over this past summer because it was an opportunity at that time. And I also like didn't want to go to a crowded place and knowing that driving national parks, being outside, lots of nature, it was safe because we weren't in crowded places. So that was fine. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something important to be thinking about. And even, even as numbers, I think are starting to maybe go down a little bit more. I'm unfortunately in more of a hot spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but even for us seeing those numbers starting to kind of go down and level out a little bit more, you still don't know about variants or anything else. And I think Delta was kind of going strong. Maybe when you set on this trip, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember the exact timing when, when Delta really started to rear its ugly head. But I know that traveling during the pandemic looks different. Mm-hmm. It looks a lot different. And I'd love to know what your experience has been with that and just any tips for kind of taking these trips, but doing so in a safe way and any anything we need to research or know ahead of time before we do take this. For me, like, don't let your guard down. I would say, mm-hmm. you know, I, like for me, I would, I was always assuming, and I do in my everyday life now. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. a hermit and I don't stay home all the time. I get out, but mm-hmm. I'm careful when I go out. And I always assume, or, you know, just as a protection thing for myself, that whoever I'm talking to could be unvaccinated and mm-hmm. positive. And I, and so going with that frame of mind, I always wear my mask if I'm talking to a stranger. <laughs> don't get too close. I, you know, I, I saw a, I went to dinner the other night with a couple of girlfriends and I hadn't seen them for a while. And we all know we were vaccinated, but it's like, are we hugging? And then when it was like, no, we're not hugging. Kind of sad, but I think we, we still have to be that way. I mean, you, you, I, I still carry alcohol wipes in my bag and, you know, I go to a restaurant, I wipe down the menu, but you know, so mm-hmm. I, I may sound like I like carefree and everything, but I'm really very careful. Mm-hmm. And I think people have to be responsible for their, their own safety measures and don't take it for granted that this thing's over and you're safe because yeah. Um, you're, I, I don't, you know, you could say you're as, as safe as you make yourself be, but then things happen anyway. So yeah, just keep your guard up. Yeah. I know. Unfortunately, even, even with our vaccines, even with the hand sanitizer, there are variations that 
that could come up. And I have unfortunately met some people who still got fairly sick and I can only imagine, you know, hopefully with boosters. And I hope that someday this will be similar to the flu where you get your shot. Worst case, there's maybe an antiviral that you can take. So it's not as bad, but I think about the flu. I don't want to get the flu either. And, And then something that is unfortunately asymptomatic for a while and spreads quickly and It's definitely had such a major impact. So I think it is really important to be thinking about the safety and taking the responsibility for ourselves. No, if if you're flying, if given a choice, pick a nonstop instead of a connecting flight, even if it's a little bit more. And if given a choice and if you can do it, just take carry on and try to minimize your time in the airports, things like that. Mm Definitely. I have unfortunately talked to people who are pretty sure that what they, you know, when they did get the virus, that it probably was in the terminal when they were delayed and in large crowds. And it's unfortunate, but I mean, you could also get a cold in that situation too. So it's, but I, but I do think being mindful, there, there are some things we can do to at least minimize our risk. Right. And, oh, you know, even the shuttles, you know, sometimes you can take a shuttle to an airport or you drive to the airport and then you have to take the shuttle from the parking to the terminal. I don't have any evidence that there are more germs around there, but, you know, I've heard people say that you want to minimize the time in those shuttle areas too, you know? So, I mean, there are a couple of times where I've taken a private limo instead of taking a shared ride. I don't usually do that. But if you're protecting your safety, then that's what you got to do <laughs> or don't go or don't go. Yeah. And you're not taking that limo every day. It's not an expense. Right. It's just accumulating. And you know, I certainly have had some expenses during this pandemic where it was like, this will just make me feel a little bit safer to have a little more space or to have a little bit more separation from from the group. Yeah. But most people aren't eating out as much. So you're saving money there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're working remotely. We don't have to buy a lot of clothes or go to the hairdresser as often, <laughs> right? Yeah, that is very true. Now you have to be good. You have to be, you know, treat yourself well. You know, wellness, wellness and wanderlust. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I I think this, you know, this trip that you took, it, it's so inspiring. I'm, I've been planning a road trip and some of the tips that you have, I think will help kind of as I start to plan mine out a little bit more. I always have this like FOMO, this fear of missing out in that, mm-hmm. like, what if you have everything booked and you get some place and you realize, oh, that would have been better, but I already booked this place. Now I want to stay at that place. Mm-hmm. If you're spontaneous, then you can, you can go wherever you want. I love that. I, I would love to be a little more like that. And something that I do, I always joke about this when I would go on trips with friends and I had my little itinerary that I'd put together. And sometimes I would have a little section of the itinerary that would say on this, we're going to take spontaneous time. And then there would be in parentheses, here are some things in the area we might think about doing. But um, but it was my way of kind of allowing for that space because so often when you're on these trips, you do come across, you know, you have a conversation with someone who lives there or who has been there not too long ago and they tell you, hey, I when I was there, you know, you have to do this. You have to see this. People don't know about this place, but this is one of those hidden gems you have to do. And if you don't leave some space for those things, then you you miss out on them. Right. Or to answer what you brought up earlier is that 
Well, someone who might be afraid to tackle a spontaneous trip, you know, where it's not super planned out. So if you're going for seven days, you know, maybe do some research and, and find out what there is to do around there. And before you leave, come up with a list of 10 things you'd want to do. So you have 10 things, but you only have seven days. So, so already, you know, you're overbooked. And then it's like, well, there's so much I can do. And then you're going to find other things. And then it's a, then you realize, well, well, I could do this or I can do this. And now all of a sudden you have choices instead Mm -hmm. of nothing to do. It's like, where do you stop? But it's so easy to go to a visitor information center and they have things to do at, at all budget levels. I mean, they have free walking tours, they have group tours, you know, there's something for everybody really. And another thing is there, I know a, a lot of solo women and they just want a buddy to go with. But again, they don't really want to be with somebody all the time. They just want to know that there's someone else who's, you know, a companion and then they could have their free time and if someone have dinner with, you'd be surprised people you might know who might be interested in something like that. I think that's a great point too. And that's been some, some of my favorite travel has been where I've gone to a city um, by myself. I've done things during the day and then met up with somebody either in the evening or for a half day, or, you know, maybe I knew somebody who, either lived there or was in just in the area visiting and you got some of that time together and you got to kind of talk about what you were experiencing during the day, but you also had some time apart where you could kind of do whatever you wanted to do. And then you didn't have to necessarily compromise on that one thing that, that you had to do when you got there. Um, but get, getting some time together and some time apart, those are some of my favorite trips. Yeah. And Something else, and I'm just making this up now, but I thought of it. It seems like a good idea to me. But okay, so I like hiking. Somebody else might like art or whatever. But if you go to like Meetup or use some app, just not not for a trip because you don't you may not want to hook up with a bunch of strangers immediately. But just in your own neighborhood, you know, with a radius within ten miles from where you live, go to Meetup, Meetup.com. You know, get the app, uh, put in your hobbies and. For the most part that I've found, they're mostly single women who go to those things. And mm-hmm. they go to the meetup groups because they want to be with other people who like what they like. Mm-hmm. And and, they're, and they don't have someone to do it with. And, you know, just maybe getting out of your shell a little bit. If you don't like it, you're, you know, five miles from home. Just go home. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's free. But you might be surprised that it's like, wow, I... I push myself to get out the door and do that. And it was really fun Mm -hmm. because it's all hobbies. You know, it might be music. It might be theater. It might be knitting. It can be whatever you want it to be. Ballroom dancing. (laughs) But just don't stay home all the time. Absolutely. And I think Meetup is such a great resource because the people that are coming to these events, I mean, they – already have that interest in mind. It's pretty low hanging fruit because, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody is there to meet people and if they weren't, they wouldn't go. So it's easier to go up to people and talk to them if you, if if you're nervous or feeling shy or any of that. I did meet up for quite a while leading up to the pandemic and then our group sort of dismantled for a little while, but I was going to trivia with a group once a week and that was so fun. And Mm -hmm. I, it was people that I didn't really spend a lot of time with in other areas of my life, but on Tuesday nights, we were a trivia team and we were in the top three every week. And it, 
it was fantastic. It was such a cool way to meet people. And one, one of those people I'm still close with to this day. Um, and unfortunately, the pandemic sort of dismantled some of that. But yeah, I mean, what a, what a fantastic resource. Right. And even if it's not that you're going to do a meetup when you're traveling, I mean, you've gotten comfortable with that behavior of showing up alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's just, it, again, going to the visitor information center and, and signing up for a tour, you know, a half day tour mm-hmm. um, and, and feeling like, oh, I don't want to be the odd one out here, you know, but but it's OK. And you're not probably not going to be. And if you are, so what? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I completely agree. It can be a little scary. And I've, I've traveled. It can be, you know, a little bit solo, but. Um, you know, no, nothing international or anything like that, but throughout the U.S. a little bit on my own or maybe meeting up with people part of the time, but alone part of the time too. And getting over the hump of sitting in a restaurant by yourself the first time, it's a little scary, but you do it and it gets easier and you, you know, you still have the experiences. You're still getting to do the things and it gets easier the more you kind of exercise that. And I think by showing up to things on your own, you know, group activities on your own, that you're right. That definitely, I think desensitizes you to it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if you can get over that, oh, I'm in this restaurant alone, you know, and you know, whether you drink or not, but for me, if I, you have a glass of wine or something, you just sit there and just do some people watching and just, oh yeah, it's kind of, you know, it, it can be kind of nice, sort of like I'm here and I'm just here. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, my cousin yeah. told me something, once when I was, I felt a little awkward about like, like, oh, I don't want to be the only single person with a bunch of couples and stuff. And she said, well, let me tell you something. She said, when you've been married more than 20 years, you really want someone else to talk to besides your, <laughs> your partner, you know? And she said, it's really, it, even people who seem like they're happy couples just want other people to talk to because like mm-hmm. even even couples they don't they might want another couple to go with you know mm-hmm. they don't want to just stare at each other <laughs> the whole yeah. time either you know unless yeah. they're all goo goo and brand new <laughs> it's their honeymoon <laughs> yeah that's different um, yeah but it's a beautiful world there are all kinds of people and most people are very nice just don't talk about politics yes Got to be very careful about that. But what I will say is when I've, we know when I have shown up to some places on my own, maybe I sat at the bar instead of at a table or something like that. I end up having conversation. It ends up being these really meaningful conversations with strangers. And I know the problem is I don't, and I, I I would say the same thing, but it's COVID time. Yeah. And I'm not sitting at a bar. No. See, those are the, I know the things that we like to do, you know, and I know it is, it is different. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the last time that I did that, I think that was August or September of 2019 was my last quote unquote normal trip. And it'll look different. But I think there are still ways we can still engage, but still do things safely. I I totally agree with that, you know, and um, people have to realize if they're going to a resort, like if you're going to the Caribbean or something, it will be different. People will be wearing masks. If you're in a lobby or an interior public space, you'll be asked to wear a mask. Um, If they have five restaurants, maybe only two of them will be open at a time. Um, Your room may not be cleaned every day. You know, that that's another thing, too, is like they don't want because people want to keep the you know, resorts and hotels want to keep their staff healthy. Mm -hmm. So they're not coming into your room if they don't have to. So they'll go in between (laughs) guests. 
Um, and most often I'm finding like every third day they'll come in and clean your room. So if mm-hmm. you don't make your bed, your bed's not getting made. You're going to come home at the end of the day and it's still going to be like that. Yeah. You know, if you leave your towels in a pile on the floor in the bathroom, they're still going to be there. But, you know, there's a, a movement to if you want to use it again anyway, because it's eco-friendly, yeah. ha- you know, hang it up. But um, unless you request service, you're not going to get it. So travel is different and people have to realize that. Definitely. And different doesn't always necessarily mean bad. And you're right that there is that movement. And so you are protecting the planet a little bit by putting your, your stuff back on the rack. But yeah, I, I think it is important to note that it's it's different, but that we can still do it safely and still experience life. But we just have to take some precautions. True. I agree. Now, I would love to switch gears a little bit and just ask you a few of our rapid fire questions so the listeners can get to know you. Okie doke. All right. <laughs> now, what would you say is your top wellness tip? Oh, boy. Um, top wellness tip. Take time for yourself. Just make the time, whether it's 20 minutes starting the day with some gentle yoga or, you know, reading a magazine or a chapter of a book or going for a walk, but don't say you're too busy to do something for yourself. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but you deserve it. I love that. I'm guessing that the majority of people listening needed to hear that. Yeah. Mark it on your calendar. Make it yeah. a to-do thing. Put it on your list. Yeah. yeah. I started putting self-care on my to-do list and it's maybe not, you know, as exciting to do it that way, but it gets done and it makes a difference. Now, this might be a tough one. What is your favorite <laughs> travel destination? <laughs> <laughs> I live in New England and I mean, I'm just as happy going to an inn on the coast of Maine or the coast of anything. I love the water. It doesn't have to be far away. It just has to be something different. Bed and breakfast. I like old. I like character, charm. I've been going to Scandinavia for years and years, so I'm comfortable there. So it changes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, all of those sound incredible. I would love to I'd love to stay at a little inn in Maine. I haven't yeah. I haven't been up there. I mean, the point is it doesn't have to be far away. I, I've had two hours away. You could find some really cute place to stay, and it would be great. Just disconnect from your life, and then that would be a great destination. So I don't think there I don't think there's one. I think there are lots, and just countless places to to discover that we haven't yet. Right. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? I think I'd be a dog because <laughs> I like dogs and they're in the now. They're not always thinking about the next thing. They just enjoy being with you and they love you unconditionally. They don't know how to give. They just by nature give unconditional love. They do. They show their affection. That's, that's such a great description. Yeah, I want to be like that. Yeah. I think we should all be like that. (laughs) It's not always easy. No. Now, if you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? (laughs) I always thought if I could start from scratch and be whatever I wanted to be, I'd be a philanthropist. And I would just give away gobs of money to people who need it. Yes. That would be amazing. Do you have a cause that you're particularly (laughs) passionate about? Oh, I don't want to say no. Um, <laughs> All of the causes. I mean, well, well, the environment. I, mm-hmm. I'm very much concerned about the environment. 
I also like to support the arts because there's so many budget cuts in the schools. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, music and arts really help balance children as they mm-hmm. grow. Poverty. Um, it's like <laughs> people with substance abuse issues need help. Yeah. There's so much. Probably the environment because because it's really important and we got to deal with it. Definitely. I, I I think that's beautiful. I think that's such a great thing to aspire to and just that giving back is so important and I it's so it's so it's so inspiring to hear. Great. <laughs> now if I could just get gobs of money, I could be a philanthropist. Well, I I am rooting for you on the next lotto ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'll, I'll I'll keep your email address. <laughs> yes, please. And what's next for you on your bucket list? Oh, um, my bucket list. Well, I am actually, I have a a trip to Denmark planned because I love Scandinavia. And uh, I think the bucket list part, though, would be, oh, I'm putting together a small group going to Costa Rica in February 2022. And part of it is a half day of whitewater rafting. And I've never whitewater rafted before. And I've always wanted to. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. Yeah, so I kind of selfishly snuck that in there, that that was going to be part of the trip. Because <laughs> if I fall out of the raft, there'll be enough people to pull me back in. Well, hey, if you're the one planning it. <laughs> <laughs> you want to come? Uh, no, I, yeah, I would love to go whitewater rafting. I think that would be neat. That sounds like such a cool experience. And so amazing that you get to include that into the trip. But I think that sounds like an amazing time. Now, well, first of all, I just want to thank you again for coming on the show, for sharing your experiences with us, for sharing your trip with us. It sounds like just an amazing journey. And it really has inspired me to kind of embrace a little more spontaneity in my own travels. Before I let you go, how can listeners find you and connect? It's very easy. All you have to do is remember friendly group travel. So on Facebook or Instagram, friendly group travel. Um, the email is welcome at friendlygrouptravel.com and the website is friendlygrouptravel.com so you'll find me and everybody's welcome that's the that's the whole purpose of friendly group it's everybody is welcome nobody will feel like the odd person out solo travelers welcome everybody's welcome so let's be together that's beautiful and i will link all of that in the show notes so that listeners can find you But I just want to say again, thank you so much for coming on and for sharing with us today. Oh, thanks, Valerie. I really appreciate the invitation. You're awesome. I like your energy. You're good. Okay, so who's ready to jump in the car and go? It was such a delight to chat with Marsha and learn about creating more spontaneity in our travels. What a cool way to experience the U.S. while staying safe and just enjoying the summer and enjoying the world around us. I have linked Marsha's information in the show notes so that you can connect with her and learn more about the upcoming trips that she has planned. So be sure to give her and Friendly Group Travel a follow. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, for sharing this part of your day with me, and for being a part of the Wellness and Wanderlust community. Please feel free to reach out to me if you have a topic or a question. My email is Valerie at wellnessandwanderlust.net. I am also available on Instagram at wellnessandwanderlustblog. And one of the best ways you can lend your support to the show is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are tuning in from so that others can find the show better. And it only takes a few minutes out of your day. 
If you find yourself tuning in from week to week, I would really, really love to hear from you. Have a wonderful day, my friends. I will see you next week. 